look Dawn Bear, and I'm with Borders East of the Industrial Canal. I want to thank you both for coming in and joining us on a Sunday. Thank you so much. So we're going to get started. I'd like you to give us your full name, your profession, how long you've been in that profession, the seat you are seeking, and your ballot number. We'll go with Attorney Landrum first. Good morning. My name is Kiva Landrum. I am, uh, I just resigned from being a judge in criminal district court in July of this year, July 17th to be exact. I was a judge for the past 12 years in criminal district court section E and uh, my ballot number is 102 and I am seeking the position of district attorney of New Orleans. Thank you. Attorney Reed. Thank you very much. My name is Morris Reed. I'm a native New Orleanian. Uh, I am seeking the office of district attorney for the parish of Orleans. I, um, my ballot number is 103. Um, graduated from law school from Loyola in 1977. Um, I was a judge in criminal court for one term, section A. Uh, was a state prosecutor uh, during the uh, term of Eddie Jordan, special prosecutor. Was assistant U.S. attorney under John Vos, chief of civil rights unit was a special agent with the Department of Justice, Drug Enforcement Administration, was the first director of the Office of Municipal Investigation under Dutch Morial Administration, investigating police abuse, and a former president of the New Orleans branch of the NAACP, and I'm honorary counsel to the Kingdom of Lesotho, which is an African country presently, and in private law practice. Married, have uh, two children and a son who was a lawyer who, who passed away last year, and two grandchildren. Congratulations. Your ballot number? 103. 103. 103. Okay, thank you. So I'd like to introduce you to Donna Glapion and Brandon Gilmore, who's with You're Going to Feel Me Now podcast. So they're going to ask you all a series of questions. So, um, okay, let's go with the questions. And thank you again for participating. Hey, good morning. We'll start with the questions. And Ms. Landrum, can, Attorney Landrum, I'm sorry, can you, you go first on all the questions and Attorney Reeves? Okay, my first question is, at what point did you decide to seek the district attorney's seat? And what skills do you possess that qualifies you to preside over this decision? Thank you. So I've always um, had the district attorney seat in uh, one of the things that I've wanted to do. I had the opportunity back in 2007 to be tapped to sit in or to fill in the uh, term for Eddie Jordan, who was our elected district attorney, and he decided to depart that office back in 2007. And I was asked to step in and fill his term. And so I actually served as our district attorney uh, for about 10 and a half months at that time, becoming the first female district attorney in the state of Louisiana during that um, tenure. And so um, at that time, I knew that, that I wanted to come back and be our elected district attorney. I decided to broaden my experience at the end of that term and become a judge where I've been for the past 12 years. During that time, I've had the opportunity to uh, do some things in criminal justice reform from the bench. And I have been very active in 
kind of advancing the court forward with ROR bonds, with our pretrial services program. And so what I noticed as I've partnered with our stakeholders in these advances is that the district attorney's office has been missing from that conversation. And it is important in order to bring this whole circle, in order to bring our whole criminal justice system forward, that the district attorney's office is a pivotal part, critical part of the conversation. And so that was my impetus to get into this race so that this community um, can focus on public safety, advancing public safety, and that the, that the uh, district attorney's office stands at the helm of the conversation in advancing our office forward, advancing the community. So that is why I stepped away from the bench, decided to run for the district attorney's office, and that is why I'm in this race, and I'm number 102 on the ballot. Thank you, Attorney Landrum. Attorney Reed? I have a law enforcement uh, career that dates back to uh, 1970. I have over 45 years experience as a beat cop, um, a prosecutor, traffic court judge, criminal court judge, federal prosecutor, chief of a division in civil rights. And uh, I ran for DA in 1991 against Harry Connick because I thought he was a plague to the black community. And in uh, uh, 1996, I left the bench and ran again uh, to remove him from office because he was tapped as one of the worst district attorneys uh, in the country. He sent a lot of young men to uh, death row on trumped up evidence. His prosecutors hid evidence. Uh, they knew they were sending uh, African-Americans to death row to Angola and without a conscience, uh, they did it anyway. They prosecuted black folks in alternate numbers uh, with uh, bad cases. And with that, given my background as a youngster who grew up in the Lower Night Ward, uh, fourth of 12 children, I felt compelled to do what I could to change the criminal justice system. As, as a cop, I was a um, plaintiff in a lawsuit against the city to hire more and promote black cops. Uh, as a special agent with the Department of Justice, I was a plaintiff to uh, hire and promote more black special agents and give them assignments like their white counterparts. Uh, I told you before, I was a director of the Office of Municipal Investigation set up to investigate cops. I prosecuted the cops in the Algiers killings where one weekend they killed six black citizens, including an infant, a young mother, uh, Sherilyn Singleton, who was in her twenties, who was shot and killed or murdered in a bathtub, nude, and had guns planted on her body. I investigated the case of Gerard Glover, the son of a black policewoman who was on duty at the time, who was shot in the back, shot off the back of a moped on, in front of Xavier University. And um, so I have a, phone, a, a firm commitment to make change in an office that has been instrumental and, and um, stockpiled in black humanity and our penal institutions. And, uh, you know, one thing, we can't keep doing the same thing uh, and expecting the different results. I have a read plan that I uh, presented to the press, my position papers, 24 years ago, citing the problems with the DA's office. Guess what? They exist today. It's the same problems and the same plan. It can be applied. Uh, to solutions to create those problems. We can't continue to put inexperienced people at the head of one of the most important positions in our community to root out crime, expecting a different result. You need a seasoned prosecutor. You need someone who knows what they're doing when they go in. It's not a, a job where you can get training while you work. And we need someone with strong convictions and who's not afraid to stand up to the institutions 
that has uh, gotten us into this mess that we're in today. And I'm that man. Thank you, Attorney Reed. My next question will proceed with Attorney Landrum answering first. <clears throat> and this is a yes or no question. Have either of you ever been disciplined by the bar, arrested, or owe any child support? No, I have not. Thank you, Attorney Landrum. Attorney Reed? No, I have not. Thank you. My next question is going to be a two-part question. We're going to start with Attorney Landrum first. <clears throat> what innovative and fundamental initiatives will you implement within your first 100 days in office to help suppress or prevent crime? And do you have any plans to implement alternatives to prison programs to reduce incarceration among adults and youth in the city of New Orleans? So if I can answer the second part first, um, as far as, and then I'll come back to the first part, as far as um, the initiatives uh, to help reduce crime, I think is, so then I'm gonna have to ask you to repeat the first part. I, yeah. <laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna start with the second part first. Okay. Uh, so as far as the initiatives for youth and adults uh, to help with our crime issue, um, the first thing that I would like to say is what I plan on doing is number one, enhancing our drug, um, our diversion programs. And that would help with um, reducing crime, especially for adults. And then I'll deal with uh, my vision for juveniles. But once we um, enhance and um, kind of broaden our diversion programs, what, is, what that is going to do is, what I know is this, that criminal activity, right, is a byproduct of oftentimes a lot of other things, whether it be poverty, whether it be um, mental health issues, whether it be substance abuse issues. And so by enhancing our diversion programs, what that is going to do is allow us to link people in our community with the services that they need to deal with those root issues. And so that is what I plan to do. And that means that it gives people the opportunity to get linked to those services that they need, which will then help us reduce, help us reduce that kind of revolving door and help us achieve recidivism. And so we're not uh, having people come back and forth into the criminal justice system. What we have done far too long is not actually address the root issues. And so people have just been circling and cycling back into the system. And so by enhancing our diversion program, we are now going to link people with substance abuse issues, mental health services, even if it means job opportunities, educational services, housing services. And that is not just on the front end for even people who are getting released from jail, also those same things. Now, as it affects our juveniles, what I recognize is this, our kids have felt disconnected from our New Orleans community for far too, too long. So we have a lot of services in our community and now we have got to start connecting our youth to those things, make them feel a part of our community. It is my plan to start bringing those organizations to the table and linking our kids with them. What we know is parents are busy, parents you know, are overwhelmed with jobs. And so now we've got to start bringing the kids and make them feel a part of this New Orleans community and linking them to these services so that um, our kids are just not kind of out here floating along by themselves. And so the plan is this, I know that in my own personal time that I have been very active uh, with something that's just been near and dear to me, and that is the roots of music. But what I realize and what I recognize is how that, that program has changed lives and how by um, keeping kids incorporated and keeping them active has um, changed their lives and it keeps them 
very positive and connected with our community. And I plan to do that with not just that program, but every other program that we have in New Orleans, linking children to organizations such as that, so that we can keep them invested in New Orleans. Now as to part one of your, the question was in the first 100 days, um, what do I plan to do? What I know is this, we have been in a pandemic for at least 10 months now. It is going to be important, number one, to assess every case and every docket on these judges, um, every the, the judges dockets. And so my, my plan is this, we need to number one, prioritize the violent crimes, prioritize um, crimes against women, prioritize victim crimes. So we're going to have to be aggressive by um, looking at nonviolent, no, nonviolent, low-level offenses and doing some aggressive things with those cases where we're not over-incarcerating people, but prioritizing those violent cases so that we can move them through the system. But we may have to um, negotiate, divert, or dismiss those nonviolent, low-level cases so that we can prioritize the violent crimes and make sure we keep public safety at the top of our list of things. Thank you, Attorney Landrum. Attorney Reed, would you like me to repeat the question? Uh, yes, please. <clears throat> okay, it's a two-part question. What innovative and fundamental initiatives will you implement within your first 100 days in office to help suppress or prevent crime? Okay, well, you said we might start them. I don't know if we're going to be able to complete them within the first 100 days. But I have published in 1996 the Reed plan. It's a 12-page plan of what I plan to do, my issue, my issue papers. Uh, it's still applicable, applicable today. And I will give you, your organization, a copy of this plan so you will hold me accountable. And uh, when re-election time come back, we will meet and talk about whether or not I uh, uh, was committed and held up to my campaign commitments to you. You will, every, every individual who has have held a Zoom conference or forum, I will submit this plan to you uh, too, as well as the newspapers and the television media. Uh, what, what, did I, what does the Reed plan say we will do? First of all, the office has to be revamped entirely. Uh, some of the same problems exist. Uh, it has to be a compre comprehensive reordering of uh, uh, resources and reallocating, uh, reorganizing and reallocating resources and priorities. Uh, and I'm going to try to go to the list, painting with a broad brush, because the, the topic is, is, is broad. Uh, we need to increase the, uh, the, uh, the number of cases that the police department, the DA's office, except from the uh, police department, and increase our conviction rate. Too many cases, too much of the police resources goes down the drain because of um, uh, cases that are not adequately prepared uh, and, and ready for prosecution. We have to improve our litigation training. Uh, uh, so we can have attorneys who know how to present evidence in court, a witness from the bench, uh, individuals coming into court and being outgunned by defense attorneys because of lack of experience and lack of uh, uh, sharp uh, trial techniques. We need, uh, we need to have our attorneys well-versed in the use of technical services during the course of their preparations and presentation of evidence. We need to target criminal prosecutions in areas that has traditionally not been targeted before, white collar crime and high level uh, narcotic traffickers. We need a retention program to keep experienced attorneys on board for a longer period of time. Uh, we, we need to uh, use the grand jury process not as a, a tool uh, 
are, are a, um, a, a method, a technique to hide behind, but use, use the grand jury in a more uh, a creative and constructive manner in investigating narcotic, major narcotic dealers. There's no narcotic traffickers going to jail, uh, jail in our city other than the street level dealers and access forfeiture. There's a wealth of uh, assets from narcotic dealers, and I learned this in the federal system, that can be taken from uh, narcotic dealers and white collar crime uh, uh, violators uh, and uh, for forfeitures. It has to be done in, in civil court, but it should be coordinated with the DA's office. We need to have a uh, enhance our homicide and violent crime bureau with some of the best prosecutors that we can find and give them in-service training, like I had at the Attorney General's a prosecutor school in Washington, D.C. We need to enhance our domestic violence and sex crimes bureau and prosecute, prosecute adults who prey upon our children and in turn our young, young girls into uh, uh, the world of prostitution. Uh, we have to increase our economic crime bureau and not just for collecting NSF checks from individuals who are gambling at the uh, local casino. I'm the only candidate in this race who's been trained at the Organized Crime Institute in New York and no, have prosecuted white collar crime and uh, uh, political corruption cases. We need to establish a community relations uh, relationship with our community and the DA's office. My prosecutors will be required to spend a certain number of hours working with uh, uh, agencies and working with the community and the churches and developing a relationship with the community. So when you have to call upon them to have someone come and testify in court, we're not a stranger to the community. I plan to infuse the office with more civilian input. I will not allow police officers from the NOPD to investigate other police officers charged with police brutality and charged with killing our citizens. We need to work on getting rid of the consent decree. It's a shameful in a city with a majority of black elected officials, uh, we have to have the federal government stand watchdog to keep police officers from killing and beating our citizens and from having our citizens die in a, a ill-managed uh, prison uh, uh, prison uh, penal institute, uh, as such as the Orleans Parish Prison, uh, we require we should set up a program where we have parental consent to check locker rooms and do drug, random drug testing at schools. We need to diversify the hierarchy of the, in the within the DA's office so it reflect uh, the diversity of the racial makeup of our community. All of these things I plan to uh, to implement and it's laid out in a read plan that's been developed since 1996. Thank you, Attorney Reed. And I'm gonna ask you the second question. What's the second question? Uh, for me or for Ms. Landry? No, for you. What's the second part? Do you have any plans to implement alternatives to prison programs to reduce incarceration among youth, among adults and youths in the city of New Orleans? Of course. Uh, I plan to have some of the best prosecutors in the juvenile section of, um, uh, and not cheap, treated as a second, as like a, a second, a stepchild of the juvenile division, um, because that's where we can reach kids and save them before they get into trouble. I plan to have a diversion program that's, that uh, considers everybody based upon the offense that was, was committed and, and individuals potential for keeping them out of, out of penitentiary. Uh, we will uh, uh, enhance uh, the diversionary program and not restrict it to just the, just the very rich and uh, um, uh, segment of our population. Uh, I had a junior judge program as court, one of the first um, 
received national recognition where my uh, staff came in on the weekend and worked in the afternoon and working with kids, truants from the school system to keep them out of the system. We brought them to Angola, Hunts Correctional Institute, even took them to the morgue. Uh, just let them see what happens if they, 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 they get engaged in a life of criminal activity. I plan to have a similar program. We call it the junior judge program. We're going to have a junior DA's program where the prosecutor is going to be required to work with our youth in the community before a case shows up on their desk. Uh, that's, that's in my plan. Uh, we plan to have uh, regional cooperation with uh, other uh, uh, DA's offices uh, and, and adopting and adapting innovative programs and trying to prevent youth violence and youth criminal activity, youth drug act, uh, dealing activity, because some of these gangs go past the borders. We want to develop regional cooperation with other law enforcement agencies and district attorney's office. Thank you, Mr. Reed. Programs that's useful to our community. Go ahead. Thank you, Mr. Reed. Yeah. Um, hello. Uh, good morning, Attorney Williams. Glad you can make it. Good morning, Don. How are you? I apologize for being late. I was in church when I got the notice y'all were having it today. I apologize. All right. So uh, we're just going to get started. Uh, we'd like you to give us your full name, what profession you're in, how long you've been in that profession, what position you are seeking, and your ballot number. Uh, my ballot number is 104. My full name is Jason Rogers Williams. I'm currently running uh, the Jason Rogers Williams and Associates Law Firm, and I am currently council president, and I'm seeking the office of district attorney. Thank you. So I want to introduce you to Donna Glapion and Brandon Gilmore. They'll be the ones asking you some questions. And again, thank, thank you for participating. Absolutely. Hey, how you doing, Attorney Williams? Thank you for coming on. I'm going to ask you three questions. One is a two-part question that I ask your um, opponents. So we're going to let him answer those two questions, and then we'll proceed with Ms. Landrum, Mr. Reed, and then Mr. Williams. So, Mr. Williams, this is your first question. At what point did you decide to seek the district attorney's seat, and what skills do you possess that qualifies you to preside over this decision? I decided in 2008 uh, when Leon Canizero was running on a tough on crime policy that, that, that proposed to put uh, a, a, a host of young African Americans in jail for low level nonviolent offenders, uh, marijuana possession being one of the largest. I ran on a smart on crime policy. Uh, a number of the policies that I'm running on today were on my agenda in 2008 and they have become uh, to be known as progressive DA reform policies today. Thank you. <clears throat> My second what was question. The second part? Okay. No, the second question is going to be a two-part question. Okay. So my first question of that is, <clears throat> what, <clears throat> I'm sorry, do you have any plans to implement alternatives to prison programs to reduce incarceration among adults and youth in the city of New Orleans? Absolutely. Um, I believe that whether you have uh, an addiction issue or you are in the throes of a mental health crisis, none of those things are dealt with properly in jail. And I believe that there should be real addiction counseling. There should be real mental health counseling. A number of our young people who find themselves in the juvenile justice system are there because they're suffering various degrees of post-traumatic stress because they have been victimized themselves and those root causes are never dealt with. So I plan on using restorative justice practices as, a, as well as a host of other intervention models uh, that would happen before someone's case would even be accepted 
and go to court so that, so that they don't get that felony brand on them and so that they, they don't miss school and work and get taken away from their families and have to sit in jail waiting in pretrial. Thank you. My next question is, what innovative and fundamental initiatives will you implement within your first 100 days in office to help suppress or prevent crime? First and foremost, uh, it's not enough just to look forward. I'm going to be looking backwards as well. There are a number of people right now in Angola State Penitentiary and other penitentiaries for crimes they didn't commit because police did not do uh, proper investigations, because judges did not make sure people had fair trials. And so I'm going to have a conviction integrity unit within a civil rights division that's going to look back on past cases, partnering with the Innocence Project and, 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 and investigators in my office and their office so that we can figure out if anybody is wrongfully convicted. That's going to happen in the first 100 days. Also within the first 100 days, we're going to have specialized divisions, um, if, 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 whether, whether it be a sex crime case. We're going to have specialized prosecutors that are solely trained to handle sex crimes, juvenile crimes. We can't continue to treat our young people like they're little adults. And we're going to have a specialized division with folks that are trained to work within that division and also have mental health therapists in court to spot underlying issues that may have caused these issues. So specialized divisions as well as a civil rights division. Uh, those are things that are going to happen in the first 100 days of being there. Also within the first 100 days, we're going to publish the data so that the people of this city know what they're getting from the DA. You're going to know who who is getting, uh, what cases are being accepted, what cases are being declined for prosecution, and what cases are going in the diversion program. Race, gender, all those, all those, all that information will be in there so that someone can see it from their kitchen counter on a computer. Thank you, Attorney Williams. And my next question before we go back in order, <clears throat> and it's a yes to no question. Have, have you ever been disciplined by the bar, arrested, or owe any child support? No to owing any child support. Yes to being arrested for trespassing by trying to engage in a bad arrest uh, on Elysian Fields. Um, and I've never been disciplined by the bar. Thank you so much for that, Attorney Williams. Now we're gonna go back and proceed with Attorney Landrum first, then Attorney Reed, then you, Attorney Williams. And if everybody, when you're not answering, can you please mute your phone because we're getting a little background noise. That's okay, thank you. Okay, Attorney Landrum, starting back with you. <clears throat> okay. If this is a yes or no question. Have okay. any of your cases gone for review by appeals or to the Supreme Court? Yes, I have had cases gone to review by appeal and to the Supreme Court. And in fact, I've had cases go up to the United States Supreme Court. Thank you. Attorney Reed. Press unmute yourself, Attorney Reed. Attorney Reed, unmute yourself. Is that better? Yes, we can hear you now. I can, um, I can't think of any cases that, um, but most cases in criminal court and individuals convicted of appeal, but uh, I can think about a motion to suppress where I um, um, denied it in, um, in, in criminal court in a narcotic case and it went on appeal and, and it was, um, it was uh, uh, reversed by the, uh, the appellate court, but uh, uh, I didn't have um, any notable cases such as death cases or uh, homicide or murder cases where individuals were sentenced to life imprisonment or 
sentence to be executed that was reversed on appeal. So I really, the only one that comes to mind is a narcotic suppression case where the motion was challenged by the DA's office on a drug case, a small drug case. But there might be others, I'm not sure. You know, it's just, I left the bench in 1996. We appreciate that, Attorney Reed. Thank you. Attorney Williams. I have taken a number of cases up and appealed them myself on behalf of defendants seeking justice. However, when I was appointed as a judge at Criminal District Court, I never had a case that was taken up and had my ruling reversed by the Fourth Circuit or the Supreme Court. Thank you, Attorney Williams. I appreciate that. Attorney Landrum, I'm going to start back with you. Okay. Excuse me. As you may be aware, the state of Louisiana has a reputation as the nation's top incarcerator due to mass incarceration of African-Americans on the local and state level. According to a 2019 report by the Department of Corrections, the state population for Caucasian was 63% and African-American was 33%. However, the prison population was 33% for Caucasian and 66% for African-American. Many of these offenses included drug offenses or nonviolent offenses. Although there have been some comprehensive criminal justice reforms by the state, what policy reforms do you plan to implement at the local level to help reduce the racial disparities of arrest and imprisonment of African-Americans, both male and female? So what I would do, number one, is work with the New Orleans Police Department to make sure that the police is not over-policing in certain areas. That is the first thing. There is, you know, in my opinion, the police, the way we are policing certain areas is not fair. The second thing would be the way the office traditionally has screened cases has not been the proper way. The district attorney, in my opinion, is supposed to stand as the gatekeeper for how cases are accepted and reviewed. And I would change the policy in which the district attorney's office reviews and accepts cases. That is the first thing. Well, the second thing. The final thing would be the policy on the multiple bills and the way in which the office has traditionally utilized plea bargains and the multiple bill or the sentencing enhancement to strong arm plea bargains. It would be my policy as a district attorney, number one, not to utilize the multiple offender statute in that way, not to utilize it to strong arm any plea bargains, but also not to utilize it as a matter of practice in general. I think that the district attorney's office has utilized that in a way in which that legislation was never intended to be used. And that has led to over-incarceration and mass incarceration of African-Americans in an unfair way and that we need to work at reversing that practice. And that would be my position as the next district attorney. Thank you, Attorney Landrum. Attorney Reed. You know, when I was on the bench, it would disgust me to have assistant DAs come in from the DA's office with a white defendant and the manner in which they presented the case in my courtroom. I really couldn't tell the difference between the defense attorney for the white defendant and the district attorney because they became so weak in the presence of having to prosecute someone who was Caucasian. Let me establish that probably 90% of the prosecutors who came in representing prosecuting defendants were white. 
to begin with. And so uh, overnight, they, they, they seemed to, to transform to a defense attorney when they had to prosecute a white defendant. That's all I'm saying. Uh, obviously, the system has not been fair. And uh, when I, I used to take my kids up to Angola and to Hunts Correctional Institute, uh, and the warden told me I was the only judge in the state that had a program like that. Uh, we were trying to deter youngsters from getting involved in situations where they ended up in those penal institutions because it was so horrible. They're really similar to a plantation without a big White House in the center of them. But what I would do is, what we have to do is to be fair with the administration of justice. Let everybody be considered for the diversionary programs and pretrial programs that divert you from jail and criminal court prosecutions, regardless of your, your race, color, or creed, and uh, be fair and be just. And that's what I promise to do. Stop multiple building uh, African-Americans uh, uh, inordinately. When you look around the state, there are some parishes don't use the multiple bill at all, but they're not parishes with majority of black citizens. We make up New Orleans Parish make up the bulk of inmates at, in Hunts Correctional Institute. We make up the bulk of inmates in, in, uh, in Angola. Um, and, um, you know, there's a reason for that. That's because justice has been misapplied. So the only way we're going to correct that is we have a district attorney's office that is reflective of the diverse community in which we live in. And we have people who are hired to be courageous enough to stand up for what's right and what's just. I welcome the Black Lives Matter movement. I will work with uh, uh, social organizations like the NAACP, Urban League, Black Lives Matter, to reform our criminal justice system that needs overhauling so we can stop warehousing humanity inordinately, particularly Black humanity, in these dungeons and in these prisons uh, um, that throughout our state. Thank you very much. That's time. Thank you. Thank you, Attorney Reed. Attorney Williams. I have to say I completely agree with uh, Judge Reed. Uh, he's right. Uh, we, our system has been racist since its inception. For 300 years, the criminal justice system, at least in where we live, has been operating with dual purposes. One, to prosecute and over-police certain neighborhoods and to only protect and serve wealthier majority communities. And so the only way you can do that is to redesign the whole thing from top to bottom. And no one who has ever served in the DA's office has yet to diversify that office from top to bottom to make sure that it represents the people of the city of New Orleans. It needs to be browner. There needs to be more women involved. There needs to be more Latinos involved. And we've never done that. And I plan to do that. But I also plan on every single year training lawyers, staff, and investigators in the implicit bias that is ever present in our criminal justice system that people never want to talk about so that they don't do racist things in their actions and in their charging decisions. Because just as the judge described the compassion that ADA starts to show white defendants when they don't show that same thing for a black defendant, that is real. But we have to get in people's minds and one, fire the people who aren't willing to think that way and begin training people on implicit bias from start to finish so that we can redesign a system so that it is in fact equitable. Because it's not enough just to have words, but we have to have action and policies to check that. And the data I talked about before, we're gonna publish that data. So you can see the amount of time that black folks are getting in the system and the amount of time that white folks are getting in the system and the disparities that you see as it relates to gender as well. 
Thank you, Attorney Williams. Attorney Reed, can you press mute for me, please? We can oh, please. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. Okay. And thank you, Mr. Williams. Attorney Landon, next question, we're going to start with you. Yes. <clears throat> can you please discuss your vision for designing and implementing a reentry program for adults and youth entering society after incarceration? And do you plan to implement reentry programs? If you have worked on a reentry program before as a district attorney, what will you do to make them better, more efficient, and better implemented? So my entry reentry program, and it was sort of what I spoke about before, um, would look like just what we said. So I think that you have to partner with, um, you know, the the unions uh, for job reentry programs. I think you would have to partner with uh, those people that would help with uh, housing, uh, educational training. That would you would have to still partner with, um, you know, all of the um, things in our in our society that help people get back on their feet. Yes, I do plan to partner with that. I think that it looks like things that start on the front end and you do those same things on the very back end. Um, you know, I think that as a district attorney's office, it is not just our job. Um, you know, I, I think traditionally people believe that the district attorney's job is something like uh, punishment, but I believe that it is also support. And so that support uh, starts on, on both sides of the spectrum. And so those reentry programs don't just end at conviction. I think that that has been traditionally what people believe that role is. So that role is to also help people re-enter into society. And so that means uh, helping us mothers, you know, deal with um, dealing with uh, our kids. That means helping people partner with job opportunities, housing opportunities, educational opportunities, substance abuse and mental health opportunities, parenting uh, opportunities. So whatever that is that help people re-enter into our society, then as the district attorney, I plan on setting up something within our office to help link people with those services within our community to get back on our feet. Um, what I know is like with Operation Restoration, it deals specifically with women partnering with those types of organizations to help get people back into our society and do what they need to do. Thank you, Attorney Landrum. Attorney Reed, press your mute, your unmute button for me. Is, Thank you. you can hear me? Yes, sir. That approach will come under my Community Affairs Bureau that I plan to establish. Um, when I was a cop, the police department started a, a program called the Community um, Relations Division that was headed up by the first uh, deputy chief of police, woman chief of police, Yvonne Beche, who just passed uh, recently, and it, they did a fantastic job. It helps to foster when you're involved in, 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 in positive things in the community, and just not sending people to jail. It helps to foster good community district attorney's office relationships. So we plan to, to I plan to have my office intricately involved with the community and and uh, and working with individuals who are engaged on the front line of reentry programs, uh, such as the one you just described. Uh, I want them to. I want each assistant to take a trip to Angola and to Hunts to see where these individuals are incarcerated and understand what it's like for them to be uh, released from those uh, penal institutions and what the community has to do to reintegrate them into society. And I think a visit up there would be uh, positive in terms of their training and, and, and uh, sensitizing them to what's at stake. And um, 
I'm, I, I haven't gotten away from representing individuals. I, I'm representing an inmate right now, a, a young man who, gentleman who was released from prison after ser serving 30 years, and um, uh, he's backing up another 100 years uh, um, uh, if he returns to Angola. He was arrested for possession of narcotics, a rock or crack. He didn't know that uh, he has any subject to being revoked and sent back to prison where he will die. He didn't know that because he couldn't afford his legalized marijuana a prescription that there was alternatives in the community that he could go to to try to get help with that. And uh, he went out on the street and bought a rock of crack and was arrested. Now he finds himself looking at another hundred years of in, uh, in Angola where he probably will not get out alive. So we're trying to save him. Uh, we will work with uh, discussing the law with individuals, well, with those programs who manage those programs and try to assist in educating individuals once they're released from prison on how to interact with society and uh, the things that they got to comply with. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Attorney Reed. Attorney Williams. I will, uh, I will continue to work with uh, all of the housing advocates that I work with as president of the city council. I'll continue to work with AOT, uh, which really uh, focuses on mental health out, out of, outside of a uh, system involved folks. So that when, before people uh, actually hit the ground when they come out, they know where these resources are. And so I'm gonna create a database a book that every that every person will get that returns to society so they know who they can call what name to ask for what part of the city all the resources are so that they are more on ramps to success rather than all the traps that exist right now but the one thing i want to say about re-entry is the da plays a big role on entry and what i want to do is i want to reduce the amount of work necessary for re-entry by sending fewer people to jail and when people do have to go to jail, they shouldn't have to go for as long as a lot of the sentences they've gotten uh, from, some of, from some of the past DAs. And so with reentry, I'm gonna have a very specific coordinated effort that will have social media components, technological components, but also just basic brass tacks about where can you find help when, if you need to see a doctor, if you need to see a therapist, if you need to see uh, someone to help you with housing. Thank you, Attorney Williams. Thank all three of you. And I'm gonna turn now turn it over to Ms. Lapion and she's gonna ask the remaining questions. Thank you. Hello to everyone. And thanks again for joining us today. I'll get right to it. We're gonna answer in the same order, Attorney Landrum, then Attorney Reed, then Attorney Williams. Okay. Um, my first question is, how will you hold law enforcement officers accountable who use unnecessary deadly force? I plan on holding uh, police officers accountable for their misconduct, uh, fully accountable for their misconduct. Uh, it is my plan as the district attorney to develop a special uh, unit to uh, address police officer misconduct. Uh, that unit is going to be staffed with senior level assistant district attorneys, as well as independent investigators. Uh, they will act independent of the New Orleans Police Department and that will ensure integrity uh, with their investigations and it will also ensure integrity for the New Orleans community. Uh, as well as I plan on rejecting any cases that are sent to us uh, based on police officer misconduct. 
Uh, I would like to note that it has been my experience, uh, both as an assistant district attorney, that I've had the opportunity to prosecute uh, police officers who have um, engaged in misconduct in the line of their duty. Uh, more importantly, as uh, the acting district attorney, I had the opportunity to have two cases referred to me, uh, wherein uh, after Hurricane Katrina, New Orleans Police Department officers were, um, there were allegations of misconduct. And in both of those cases, due to the limited resources of the office, I had to ask and send those cases to the federal government to ask them to review them for police officer misconduct. So I am fully aware of, and I have the experience of dealing with police officer misconduct and holding police officers accountable for their actions. And I plan to continue that, uh, that history. Thank you, ma'am. Attorney Reed. There's no history of uh, the district attorney in Orleans Parish prosecuting uh, killer cops. Uh, you know, the, uh, we brought in Chief Parsons from Birmingham, Alabama, the lieutenant to Bull Connors, to be our chief of police on the Dutch Morial administration. What did we get for that? Six citizens, including a pregnant girl, killed, shot dead in her bathtub because he put together a hit squad to go out and arrest the alleged killer of uh, Gregory Newport, a, a police officer who may have been involved in narcotic uh, uh, corruption. Uh, we have not fired, the DA's office hasn't fired the first shot dealing with uh, police killing or man, manning our citizens. Gerard Glover, Sherilyn Singleton, uh, um, cases that went unprosecuted. And the Danziger Bridge case is a total disaster. If you can't get a conviction of cops using our citizens who was running from flooded waters in Katrina, none who were convicted felons seeking refuge from the flood and the devastation of Katrina and daylight hours and use our citizens and, and the, uh, individuals seeking safety from floodwaters. If you can't get a conviction of cops using our citizens for target practice on the Danziger Bridge as a prosecutor, I certainly don't want you in the office looking after my civil rights and the civil rights of citizens in this community. There has never been a case referred to the U.S. Attorney's Office as chief of the civil rights section. Federal government allows the locals to prosecute and to see if they're going to prosecute, and if they don't, they move in. The federal government moved in after the DA's office indicated that they had no desire to prosecute the killer cops on the Danziger Bridge case. They killed citizens unarmed, defenseless, and even a, a, a special needs guy who was shot in and used for target practice uh, on, on Chef Mitchell Highway. Um, we need someone who's not afraid to prosecute cops, even if you're getting some reaction from the community, such as the right-wing elements. The FBI informed municipal mayors around this country in 2015, and I was active with the NAACP, that we've had a right-wing element such as the Klan and the, uh, the Nazi parties to infiltrate our municipal police departments where there's large uh, populations of African-Americans. Mayors have known this, the FBI has known this, chiefs of police have known this, yet they have taken no prophylactic actions to rein in these races. I investigated lynchings in Bugaloosa of African-American citizens when I was chief of the Civil Rights Division and uh, I was very active and aggressive as the director of Office of Municipal Investigation. And that's one thing I will not do is hide behind a grand jury to say I can't get an indictment, I can't get a conviction of a killer cop. If black folks still going to prison during the time that these cops were not prosecuted, well then the cops should have been prosecuted also. If you can operate it. 
Thank you, Attorney Reed. Thank you. Mr. Williams. Uh, again, I have to agree with uh, Attorney Reed on that. Uh, he's absolutely right. The, the DA's office that we've had for the past several decades and everybody that's worked in the DA's office uh, for the past several decades have an abysmal track record in prosecuting police. They have not. Every chance they had an opportunity to do so, they shrugged that responsibility and turned it over to the federal government. And it, it takes courage to do that action. And we have not had anybody who was courageous enough to do that. And I will do that. I have been a defense attorney for my entire career, which means I have been going against cops and cross-examining them when they, when they are wrong and exposing mistruths. And I will do that exact same thing as DA, and I will not hesitate to prosecute a cop who hurts a private citizen in the city of New Orleans. You don't need Big Brother uh, U.S. Attorney's Office to come in just because you want to maintain relationships with folks. If black folks go to jail every day, then police need to go to jail when something is wrong. And I guarantee you, I have a track record, a proven track record of doing that. And I have not seen this district attorney's office since its inception treat police the same way they have treated private citizens. Thank you. I'm gonna move on to the next question and please answer in that same order. The question is because state laws vary so widely, do you agree or disagree that there should be some federal regulations regarding statutes such as stand your ground and no knock warrants? So yes, I do believe that there should be federal regulations, especially on the no knock warrants and as to the uh, stand your ground. Attorney Reed. Oh yes, I think we, we need some uh, federal protection uh, with regard to um, how these laws are applied uh, because it, it has uh, opened up, uh, um, made it open season on, on certain segments of our community, national community and local community, uh, at the individuals who are trigger happy. You know, uh, when I could think about my experience when Mark Essex uh, took to the uh, Howard Johnson building and, and killed six or seven uh, first responders, uh, we had vigilantes coming in from all over the state with their deer hunting rifles trying to get a shot at that black guy at the top of the, uh, uh, the hotel. Uh, so we have that element. We have to be realistic about it. We have that element out there in the community that has to be monitored and controlled because it, it, can, it can really get out of hand. And we've seen some of these uh, atrocious uh, incidents involving private citizens and uh, members of the African-American and uh, Hispanic community. So it has to be reined in and we, we really, that's something that has to be monitored and we have to work with all segments of the community, social service organizations, the churches, the cl our clergy, uh, to try to rein the situation in. Because we don't know what we're gonna have in the White House. We don't know what Thank type you. of Justice Department we're gonna have uh, to help us monitor and control a situation like that. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Attorney Reed. Attorney Williams, please. I absolutely believe we need uh, certain measures put in place to make sure that the stand your ground law is, is measured out and meted out uh, in an equitable fashion. Uh, anytime an African-American uh, stands their ground, uh, it, it, it is not applied the same way as when a Caucasian American uh, is standing their ground in the state of Louisiana and in Orleans Parish. Uh, with regards to no-knock warrants, however, I believe they should be completely outlawed 
and no longer use. Uh, that's that's what led to the, the the killing of Breonna Taylor, the murder of Breonna Taylor while she was sleeping in her bed. And uh, as president of the city council at the last council meeting, uh, we put forward the resolution asking Chief Ferguson to codify the 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 the, the non-use of any no-knock warrants in all of Orleans Parish, and I stand behind that. Thank you. And one last question, if you could keep your answer to a minute, if possible. That last question, with regard to criminal and prison reform, what specifically have you done to influence any policy changes? Attorney so, Oh, sorry. I have, uh, over the last three years, worked with every stakeholder in the criminal justice reform realm, as well as with local and national um, organizations such as Court Watch NOLA, Vera, and MacArthur, and come to the round table to advance uh, criminal justice reform in our city, uh, specifically on behalf of criminal district court. Uh, it was under my leadership that the court has instituted the first ever ROR bail program, wherein uh, the court, the judges, and our magistrate commissioners have been aggressive in releasing um, nonviolent low-level offenders on ROR, pro, um, ROR releases. Also, we instituted the first ever pretrial services program in the state of Louisiana and instituted um, a probation um, program so people don't just sit in jail on probation holds. So that has been um, my involvement in uh, criminal justice reform here in New Orleans. And I plan to do those same things if, and, and more as our next district attorney. Thank you, Attorney Landrum. Attorney Reed. Well, as um, president of the NACP, um, you know, I work with local and state as well as national, uh, the national organization in dealing with prison reform, uh, and, uh, devising, uh, constructing resolutions, uh, attacking some of those problems that plague the black communities, such as police brutality, uh, the high incidence of prosecutions of blacks inordinately, uh, the, uh, the neglect of, um, of, of programs uh, in the community that could deter our children from getting involved in criminal activity to begin with. And I will continue that. That's why I think the community relations affairs section in the DA's office will be so much so important to foster that type of interaction with the community, the clergy, and social service agencies that are responsible on the front line dealing with problems like that. Thank you, Attorney Reed. Attorney Williams. Uh, number one, I co-authored and lobbied for the resolution that allowed us, or the legislation rather, that allowed us to decriminalize marijuana uh, in the city of New Orleans because it was disproportionately being used uh, to pick up uh, Black folks. Uh, secondly, I authored, lobbied for, and got unanimous passage of legislation uh, for, for municipal bail reform, which basically said that folks didn't have to sit in jail just because they couldn't put a couple hundred dollars to make bail. Uh, and we were able to bring our jail size down from being in the thousands to being close to 700. And that is, in, that is not just saving lives, but it's also saving taxpayer dollars. I also created a series of criminal justice dashboards uh, that shows bail, uh, bail amounts, shows who's being arrested where in what neighborhoods, shows who's in jail, shows consent decree compliance, and puts it on a public facing dashboard so that the community can see what changes and what successes are occurring rather than placating to the same fear mongering that has come from Tulane and Broad for so many years. All of these reforms are things that came from City Hall, 
a, a number of the policies that Chief, uh, that, uh, that, that, that Judge Landrum was talking about. Those policies came from the work that was done at City Hall to reduce jail population. That was a city initiative that has, and, and, and we brought jail size down from being close to 7,000, now down to 700. But it was a complete wraparound approach to stop police for, for arresting everybody for everything and also came from reducing bail amounts necessary to get people out. Thank you all, Dawn, you have the floor. Hey, I wanna thank everyone for participating with Voters East of the Industrial Canal. I wanna um, wish you the best of luck in your campaigns during this COVID-19 um, era. I know it's a little difficult, but uh, I wanna just give you, um, I just want to say I really appreciate you participating and good luck. You only have a short time left. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day. Uh-huh. Yeah, look.